How do you honor God? By doing everything to the glory of God. Not just not sinning, not just, okay, you don't steal from people, but by making good shoes. If we're going to talk about you were a new creation, that means everything has to change. Why does God not just, you know, bring people to heaven immediately after being saved? It's because there's stuff to do here. There's a point to all of this. And if we're Christians, we do it better, or at least in theory. But if we really apply the standard that's set in scripture, then we know that no one is good because no one is God. We serve a storyteller. We serve a, a God who has a perfect plan, a sovereign will for every moment of history. It's not about going into the world to make artists. It's about going into the world to make disciples. This is the Christian Artist Honoring Christ Through Creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. My name is Carly. And I'm C.S. Johnson. And we are here with another episode of the Christian Artist. We're going to talk to uh, C.S. Johnson here. You may know her from Twitter. Um, about some fun stuff. But before we get into the topic, before we talk about any of that stuff, let's get to know who our guest is. Who are you? What do you do? Tell us about yourself. All right. Well, I'm probably the most exceptionally mediocre person in the world. Just like <laughs> no, that's good. Cool. <laughs> uh, I'm C.S. Johnson. I'm an award-winning genre-hopping artist, or writer slash artist. I like consider my writing art because yeah. if I had paint around my house, my cat and my dog and my kids would get it too. <laughs> um, right now I have over 32 novels Oof. and um, like shorter pieces published cool. and wow. yep, books and yep. I'm going to make everybody feel stupid tonight. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have an actual famous person in the room with us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I'm a Christian and I'm a nerdy Christian, so I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. That is a Some people a great might take it as an the, insult, but I yeah, say, I take that as a great compliment. Yeah, that's a great endorsement of the podcast. I, <laughs> I'm a nerdy Christian, and, I'm, and I've already forgotten your exact wording. Um, <laughs> but it was, it I'm was very a, happy to be here. Yeah, you're very happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they're not holding anybody hostage that I, I, I love and adore. <laughs> so for me to be here. <laughs> I already know this will be a fun episode. Well, I told you it'll be a long one. So it, yeah, I mean, you said most of yours are long. I was like, yeah, it'll be two hours easy. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. People like talking to me. <laughs> well, we like talking to people. So there you go. <laughs> so we are going to talk about a, a book, a, uh, a book called Art in the Bible by Francis Schaeffer. You may have heard of him. Um, he's dead now. Yeah. Yeah. He died in 2000. Three, I okay. so not too long ago, but okay. um, nineteen ninety-eight. It was some five-year thing around two thousand three. All right, sure. so give or take five years. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, so uh, we're gonna talk about that book. Um, Carly and I just recently read it, and obviously, um, CJ. Um, which well, well, we're gonna call her CJ. Um, yes. CJ, yeah. uh, I told them earlier that CS sounds like a, a medication that you take for STDs. So yep. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Honestly, CS kind of sounds just like CS Lewis to me. That's the first thing that comes to my head. So, well, even he called himself Jack. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he. No, I don't think anyone went around just go. calling him CS. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but... yeah. 
Well, um, I mean, his first name is Clive, so it's like I can understand Jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can definitely understand. Can't blame the guy. Can't blame the guy. Uh, Connor has not read the book. Um, no. Because his life is crazy, and I didn't want to have to ask him to read a book. Even though it's a pretty short, but I don't know. I just forgot, I guess. Um, but the topics that the book covers is stuff that we talk about on the podcast all the time. And so I'm sure Connor will have thoughts anyway. Um, but CJ uh, suggested the book as the topic uh, that we go through. And honestly, I, was, I, I really enjoyed the book and uh, I'm happy to, uh, that we get to kind of dig into it a little bit and talk about the really, I mean, it was a short book. It was like, I listened to an audiobook. It was like hour and a half, but mm-hmm. like it, there was so much packed into that book um i I think you're saying cj you could read that like five times and you know get something new out of it every single time probably yeah it's like a clown car of a book where like (laughs) (laughs) fine yeah Yeah, so maybe just to start us off why did you suggest the book what what why do you love the book so much tell us about it well um i actually like francis Schaeffer's work he has yeah. a lot to say um mm-hmm. kind of turning into a very prophetic sort of voice for sure. the cult- current culture yeah. with the, the the breaking down of postmodernism and the right. failure of post postmodernism mm-hmm. and what the rise of what i call um neo-modernism and if you if you think about it the the marvel and dc universes are actually very emblematic of this so yeah i can work in those pop culture references just fine mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, you see the kind of divide between like the grim, dark, gritty, angsty sort of DCU and then the yeah. bright, colorful, yeah. no, bright is the, the term that CJ Brightly uses for mm-hmm. it uh, with the Marvel kind of more sanitized sort of um, like sort of like ideas, sanitized art mm-hmm. um, ideas and execution. Um, I really like this book though because um, Christians today aren't very well grounded in those ideas. I mean, part of the reason that we like Marvel and we like DC is because they're talking about similar ideas like the battle of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Those things are actually rejected by the, the, the kind of like the nihilistic and the atheistic cultures yeah. that have um, kind of infiltrated and pervaded their way through um you know, current cultural talking points, whether it's in the in politics or it's in arts or the media or um, just even even in the family, you, you see the breakdown of like traditional values and marriage and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, Francis Schaeffer has actually a really a, a, like a, I mean, most of his work he wrote in uh, in like the '60s and the '80s, and um, you can definitely see he was right. Um, about how kind of like the um, the the inability to ground ourselves in the reasoning behind our ideas and the, the, the kind of like the intellectual um, food of our ideas has been lost, um, especially with the uh, the more um, emphasis on emotional response. Mm. <laughs> I call it the Hillsong approach. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I actually just really quick, I looked on Wikipedia and he actually died in 1984. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, wow. What was I thinking of that died in 1994? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he died of lymphoma on May 15th, 1984. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. He actually That's didn't live that long, all things considered. Um, well, maybe like 70 years. So I guess a good 72. Yeah. Never mind. Um, I know... Um, 
he um he taught a couple of the professors that i had i went to co falls college mm. down in northeast georgia here sure. and uh he has a lot of um like his work still remain very influential in that kind of small knit community and stuff mm. so when i went there they were kind of passed on to me but they didn't actually teach me they aren't in the bible this is something i actually picked up um when i was taking a screenwriting course um with act one um and they talked about how for for christians today because we don't have a lot of the intellectual grounding that we have in our in our um our religious philosophy and the reasons and the execution of why we do things kind of like the the theory versus the application or the execution yeah the theory versus the practice um you know there's more emphasis on the practice like don't do this and don't do that <laughs> you know and so new stuff like confounds us <laughs> right. yeah. and um and so um when i when i picked it up i was really kind of glad because <laughs> um like as a as a christian you know you're you're told don't go see this movie or don't yeah. read this book and i think mm -hmm. when you kind of cut off that like i do agree that you should definitely be mature about it yeah. <laughs> and reasonable with it but um when we cut ourselves kind of out of that corner we get um we get pushed aside and our our voice in the culture is kind of pushed pushed out by um by the people who wouldn't qualify us to to speak on it yeah. in an authoritative manner mm -hmm. so one of the things I, I brought up earlier when I was talking with Carly some was um, I read 50 shades of gray, you know, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> and, um, but I have an English major, uh, you know, and that's my master's degree. And I looked at it from obviously like um, more of an intellectual mm -hmm. cultural kind of curiosity. And I can honestly say when some Christians ask me about it, then I can give them my response and they're more likely to listen to me because I put in the time to to engage in the culture that they're referencing <laughs> sure so. yeah yeah so when i was just going through it um i think one of the things i mean it i, I was joking about this before the start of the podcast but this book could probably be like the manifesto of the christian artist as a podcast um i mean it talks it goes in detail um through every single type of art gives um scriptural references why it's totally like biblically um uh you know supported to be regular artists working in any of these fields um and that we don't have to be you know we don't have to make art that's just religious um like a whole bunch of those sorts of things were talked about um throughout the whole course of the book um and i just really appreciated from francis schaefer how much obvious like detailed thought and work went into providing an, an exegetical argument for art being a uh, important part of um uh, a christian uh, worldview a christian uh culture um and more specifically right the fact that when we you know co directly combating he was saying the jesus movement of his um day um he was he was talking about a, a certain movement that basically said like you we can't engage the culture at all don't don't do any art um because it's all bad right like the only the further you want it the furthest you want to get in visual art is making tracks 
right? Like that's <laughs> that's as far as you can go, sort of a thing. Um, yes, like every every everything that you write has to have like an altar call. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. And 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 it was really it was really spooky actually reading the beginning of this book or listening to it at least, um, because uh, the foreword um, and I can't remember who the foreword who did the foreword, but um, he was saying um, that uh, you know uh, Francis Schaeffer had his like people that he was speaking out against a certain movement, and he's like now reprinting this book like and doing this forward this is for like another generation where you know it's it's almost like francis was prophetic because it looks like it's happening again and we're going to use this again like to sort of combat the same mindset that keeps cropping up over and over again um and one of the main things that he talked about that i I think um was really important just to kind of get the conversation started there was um foundationally right as a christian um, if we deny that art is mean, meaningful and good and important, then we are one step away from Gnosticism. He didn't say that necessarily in the book, but that was his one of his main things is like we're denying the the goodness of the physical, right? We're, uh, you know, what is going to be redeemed? The man in his whole, his, the whole man, the body and soul, right? Like not just the soul. We're not going to be whisked away into some spirit dimension, the, the body is also going to be redeemed. And, and that's an important part of, of, of uh, any of these things, like the arts and the sciences. The reason why they're important and good is because the physical world is important and good. You know? So, yeah. I thought that was really good and obviously very indicative of this podcast and what we talk about. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I liked the, um, the... So the, the book actually opens with it, the quote, um, the Christian is one whose imagination should fly beyond the stars. Yeah, I like that quote a lot. Yeah, I was like, that needs to be on a coffee mug. It does. You know, <laughs> I bet it is somewhere. What was that? Um, probably. <laughs> I already have too many coffee mugs, so I didn't really look <laughs> um, Yeah, the, um, the, you know, the, 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 so the the book actually kind of starts off with talking about how the lordship of Christ is over all, um, and I like um, I like how good he is about like pulling the like putting the the limits on what he's saying. Like um, there's some people that like you know worship the air and the the water and the land and, mm-hmm. and instead of the creator behind it, and I think that's kind of important to you know, kind of, um, to start out with, because there are people who obviously (laughs) have, have kind of like this, um, you know, they, they, they're drawn to like worship, um, like levels of, of adoration. Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that like, you know, the Marvel movies and, and they, stay up late and they write blogs and they mm-hmm. you know they do all these things for it and and then, i mean that's just one thing that that um, a lot of people seem to be to be talking about and doing and making things in response to mm. and that's kind of an act of worship in itself mm. so like you know for evangelicals i think especially that coming out of that fundamentalist mindset and i i, I would classify myself as an evangelical because i do think it's important to like if somebody expl- like, like, and part of the reason that I I um I started writing actually mm-hmm. <laughs> was because I had an atheist friend and um 
we couldn't verbally agree on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very good at the, um, you know, the argumentative thing. And, uh, and I, I was just kind of always fumbling after him. <laughs> certain right. things. So I thought, well, I'll tell him a story about why this is okay and why this isn't. And I have lots of stories for him now. <laughs> and um, I think um, I think that's very like putting it, taking away the familiarity of, you know, this is Christian, this is doctrine, this is why, this is this, uh, and kind of putting a, a new. Um, kind of perspective on it. And it's very helpful for people who are so militant about their, um, um, their particular stance. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Um, I, I know that for me, like some of the most powerful, you know, um, like moments of realization about certain important ideals and truths has not come from hearing a sermon but has come from reading a novel right like and that's not to th- like it's not to say that like um there's necessarily a good or bad of of any of those sorts of uh, you know that all depends on context um but uh like there is something about art that very does that that does really lend itself to the clear and emotionally evocative communication of timeless truths um and and yeah like especially yeah for a situation like that right uh, you're not gonna yeah it's an expression of beauty and beauty is yeah. in like that it's 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 um you know aspirational it in- inspires us to higher highs mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> carly what, what were some of your thoughts on the on the book when you were reading through it um well i mean just based on the conversation that you guys were just having i would even add that it's there's like something so valuable in art specifically when we think about like just themes about like the nature of humanity in like novels and stuff we can see like consistent things (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, among other things um but we can we can see consistent things about human nature and certain ways that god made us that line up constantly like over you know whatever genre you read you can see oh people act this way in this kind of a situation and so you can consistently know truths about humanity and the way that god made people and in that you can see a lot of you know oh like you can see god's image and you can see um you know the fallen nature of humanity (laughs) and so it um like art implicitly communicates a lot of things that um that can be a lot more effective than explicitly communicating them. Um, yeah, that actually, it's nice to see that. It's very valuable about it. it yeah, it, like you were saying, uh, like the the nice thing about art is that it talks about the universals, but it um, kind of provokes a personal response. So yeah. you have like yeah. the dichotomy between yeah. us and the the interplay. It's kind of like the struggle, uh, the human struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's like we don't we don't care about, um, you know, uh, the the morality of vengeance in a novel because 
someone waxes poetic to us about the morality of vengeance we care about the morality of vengeance because one of the characters really wants vengeance and yeah. and wants to right and we see that play out right like that's the reason we care about it um and it's because it it, it um personalizes it for us because we can relate to people um who struggle with this that or the other thing we can relate to human emotion in a way that um in that personal you know uh, way of like following someone's life in their story uh, in a way that doesn't work the same way if we're getting a lecture about it. Um, it simulates a completely different part of us. So, Yeah. And uh, I mean, I will say like the, the theoretical stuff, you know, like nerdy people like me, like I can tell you all about like the hero's journey and yeah. <laughs> the call to adventure and yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why everybody loved avatar but like can't remember it like, <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. so i mean i can tell you about all those like kind of theoretical things but i mean like if you experience it it's it's completely different um and, and of course like um like uh like i like I, I talked earlier um about novels are great because there's like no real world consequences <laughs> to, like um the count of monte cristo going off the revenge thing you know mm-hmm. you see this man trying to gain his uh, his honor and revenge back it's like this thousand page book <laughs> and you know you like you can definitely understand that feeling if you've ever been betrayed but like you're not actually planning somebody's murder yeah <laughs> <laughs> while you're reading this you can mm-hmm. just be like oh so this is the kind of if i go down the dark, <laughs> this is where it leads me yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've talked about on the podcast before is that that idea of um, novels being like simulations, um, right? Like, uh, and, and of course, we're talking about novels because yeah. you're a novelist. I'm a writer, right? Like, we all we all like writing um, and reading. Um, and uh, yeah, like reading. Well, <laughs> I have um, some audio books for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I that's what I try to tell him. He's such a slow reader. Um but like the idea that, and I, I think it was uh, Dave Farland who said this, um, and I'm gonna p- just paraphrase it. But I read a book by him on writing, and one of the things he said was he was talking about how um, a, a novel, a story, a narrative will often produce the same chemicals in our brains that happens when we're in an actual real life stressful situation. Right. When something tense is going on in a novel, the same chemicals are produced in our brain that would actually happen if this was happening to us in real life. And so in, in a way, uh, like a story um, pre- prepares us for the same sorts of things the novel is about. Right. The the story um, gives us a, a sneak pe- a sneak preview of what this sort of situation could be like and how we should respond emotionally. Right. How, how are we going to deal with that? problem it helps us not only think about it intellectually but feel it in a way that's not possible otherwise um and 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 all of these things are 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 important when we consider like why is art important why as christians should we care about it it's because it's it's a part of god's creation it has beauty and function and meaning in so many different areas um and and so ignoring it like like some movements try to do is paramount to just fool, foolishness and, and in some cases sinfulness um right because we are well, ignorance or yeah yeah uh, 
Yeah. Right. It depends on context, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, right. Like we are neglecting a very important piece of God's created order. Um, and pretending like we're somehow above it. I don't know. Like question mark. Christians are weird sometimes. I don't understand them. <laughs> like on a personal note, like um, <laughs> I uh, I think um, I disappointed my father quite a bit when I decided to stop teaching. So if you're mm. wondering why, I've read all these novels and I've written all these novels. It's largely because I love reading and I love writing. And I taught for about 10 years. And when I decided to stop teaching, um, I think my dad, who he was great. He's like, you're not going to make It's like, that's not always the main thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's that kind of, um, you know, you get that on the, the evangelical side. <laughs> um, like, um, you know, in, uh, I go to like a very kind of, I would call it Southern Baptist Bible church. Sure. And you know, motherhood, it's, um, it's high up there, you know, it's next to Mary. <laughs> and so as a mom, you know, I get those privileges, but when I tell people I'm a writer, they're just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think, I mean, really, it was really important for me when I was reading through the book is, is talking about how, um, because Christians have neglected this, because oftentimes we we neglect this um, high treatment of art in a way that we don't just have to relegate it to a religious sphere, but rather it is a part of the human experience, and we can glorify God through art without having to stamp a cross on every single thing that we we do. Um, one of the things that he talked about in the book and I know I've thought about a whole lot is um, the whole weirdness about how ugly church buildings are these days. Yeah. Um, Right. And how he was talking about like all these architects, right. Who made beautiful church buildings and, and like, what's the reason that we don't do that? I guess, because, you know, one, we had this weird, view of art but it's in some ways related to um like a a protestant like far overreaction to catholicism right like in anything related to it part of part of it is that if you if you go back to the the you know the schism and um you know the the 96 thesis and martin luther and everything (laughs) um but i will say too like the um and this is where kind of having like a historical context of, of things really, um, really does help is um, we've moved from kind of like a, like our society runs pretty much on like the business government sort of model. Mm. Like those are kind of like the two headed Hydra of our day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you probably wouldn't be able to build a church that's like a cathedral with all the stained glass windows and the, the flying buttresses and the gargoyles hanging out over the street because mm. <laughs> of building codes. And then yeah. um, the special, the, the speciality, the specialization of scale that was required for that would be astronomically mm-hmm. high given the rarity. I'm, you know, last year when Notre Dame started burning, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> 
I went home and cried for like four hours and I have children and I had to feed them and I was crying. And they're like, mommy, why are you crying? And I'm like, you wouldn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and so like, um, if you, I will say like, if you look at what the churches are producing in terms of media today, there are a lot of, uh, you know, competent worship bands, <laughs> you know, they're, um, Competent musically, of, at least, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of mega churches are doing more cultural outreach. I would say yeah. now, um, you know, Phil Cook of um, Cook Pictures in Hollywood. He's been doing a lot of like church media things um, during, especially during Corona, mm-hmm. and the uh, so the kind of like the art that they're putting out is is uh, is different <laughs> than than the buildings um, because we're trying to get the message across more, I think, in that regard. But I, I will say it is my dream to like have enough money to buy an old cathedral <laughs> and like live in it. <laughs> but, but even like, oh, he's the guy who's. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. I was just looking up Phil Cook. I oh yeah, it's Cook. Yeah, yep, if that I helps. That. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like his podcast too. <laughs> uh, one of the so, things I was I was gonna say is, um, it, you know, even even not just necessarily like, oh, we have to build cathedrals anymore, but like, you know, there's an aspect of, um, you know, even with building codes, even whatever, um, there's something just awesome and cool when you walk into a building and there's just a an aesthetic that is very pleasing about it, right? And, um. And, and for some reason, a lot of churches just are ugly looking. <laughs> um, they feel like hotels. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's because I think primarily we just don't have the same, in a lot of evangelical circles, they don't they don't have the same um, awe and reverence for God's, you know, created order in the, in this, you know, in, in the arts and the sciences as most Christians have had over the course of history, right? Like if you look at um, most of the the church over most of its history, um, it's especially in Europe, right? Has has had a incredibly high view of art and the sciences, um, and has been on the leading edge of those things for most of of church history and most of the the past history of the yeah. West. Um, but we've abdicated that to secularism for some reason in America right now. Um, I would honestly say that like, um, like at the end of world war two, mm. I think like a whole generation yeah. died in the war and, um, like more than one generation obviously had died in the war and there'd been so much loss. I don't think that there was an easy way of coming back from that. And I think, um, I think the people who were most, uh, in a position to come back from that war, the people that were like, like, oh, look at that, we were right, <laughs> which is of yeah. course like antithetical <laughs> um, to to the the truth of the war. You know, like you know, this idea that like some people just deserve to die because they deserve to die, ridiculous, mm-hmm. and um, and. Uh, but I, I, again, it, because they kind of had that, that, that mindset, I think they were able to step up and, um, kind of put in the, the society of discontent is what I would call it, <laughs> where it's like, oh, it's just life sucks and then yeah. you die. Life sucks and then, yeah, it's all nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this bland kind of gray shadow definitely that's been cast over over your penis tree. And yeah. I don't think we feel that as much in America because we're we're more removed from it. I know we had losses too. Yeah. Um, that and, makes sense. Though. You know, yeah. Losses since then, but most of our wars, um, I mean, they're not fought on the front lines. Mm -hmm. So we don't have the direct experience of, of wartime. And I mean, the, I mean, I think Fort Hood and 9-11 are pretty obvious examples of that. But Benghazi is, you know, Libya and uh, as tragic as those things are and those those far reaching as those um, experiences have their implications, you know, those things still aren't. They don't happen here. You know, yeah, they're not here. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's my thoughts on history. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm liking the rabbit trails we've gone on so far. They're they're good. They're good. Good, good. I have I have you know, my degrees in uh, English education and, and my master's in English, but I have my um, I have my minor in history, and I love history. Yeah. So yeah, and the traveling helps too. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I take a lot of history classes in college. I Listen, I wish more all of my electives were history classes. Yeah. So I I mean I. I, it's kind of like history explaining why history is important. It's kind of like why eating your vegetables as a kid is important. Mm -hmm. We <laughs> don't, know, we don't, don't want to hear it until, until we're unhealthy. And then we realize we should have listened. <laughs> well, and, and that it's, it's also like, it's like, you don't really know that you're grow, you're growing up. You've known that you, you know, that you grow up. Yeah. You, you've grown up. <laughs> it's something that you really only realize notice. after the fact after the fact <laughs> yeah after history has already repeated itself you realize that you should have paid attention to history yeah and and the thing too about like history is that a lot of the themes and the um like the particular instances that that get re rehashed are uh rehashed in different ways or the same way for the opposite reason mm. <laughs> and it's so interesting to see how this kind of like um cause and effect it's almost like um it's almost like a, like a, like a, like, a, like sheet music, <laughs> you know, where you have like, da -da -la -la, da -da -la -la. <laughs> yeah. and it's mm -hmm. like a, almost like melody and harmony kind of reaction. Uh, I really wish people could like, look at my, like the pictures. I'm like a crazy person sometimes. So <laughs> Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm trying to think of, um, so the book went through uh, a bunch of the different art forms, um, well, all of them, um, and, okay. and talked about like, specifically gave scriptural references to for each of them of like mm -hmm. why in scripture it's presented not only as like a thing that is done and done with God's glory in mind and God's total permission and, and uh, commandment in many instances. Um, yeah. But how a bunch of examples about how it was not always done for religious purposes. A lot of times there's, there's examples of, you know, uh, one of the things that he talked about was, um, you know, a poem that David wrote for uh, uh, Saul and Jonathan about them being national heroes, right? Like that doesn't have anything to do with God. Um, you know, but he, he wrote it and it's in the Bible and it was important and it was good. Right. Um, 
in, in well, I think yeah. people forget sometimes like uh, like especially like in in uh in historical context for the Israelites, you know, national identity marked them as people of God. Yeah. So, okay, and, and, very true. Yeah. But, but just pointing yeah. out, right. Like the idea that like, not every, everything you have to make, uh, in an art, uh, has to be, um, has to be the, religious. Yeah. The thing, the one, the example I liked, uh, were, were the blue pomegranates. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. was so right. cool. Yeah. So Connor, yeah. for your reference. Um, so one of the things that he talks about in there is, um, when they were making, you know, the tabernacle, um, and all the, in like the, what was it? The, the robes of the priests or something like that. They had, I think so. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, these pomegranates like inscribed or, or drawn or something on, on them. Um, on part of their robe, um, but it was like a blue pomegranate um, in some of the, some of these commandments, like when God was giving the commandment to like make these various like robes and all this stuff, how the priests were supposed to be. But there are no such thing as blue pomegranates. And so Francis Schaeffer was talking about like, listen, like this is an example of we don't we don't have to just make art to be photographic. And he meant like photographic in the sense that we can only copy things in nature as they are. Like God is literally commanding the Israelites in this place to use their imagination, right? Yeah. To imagine something that doesn't exist. Um, like a blue pomegranate. Like a blue pomegranate, right? <laughs> and I, that was honestly mind-blowing to me to think about because mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Like, because I feel like a lot of a lot of uh, times Christians have this weird view about fantasy and imagination. Right. And like yeah. speculative fiction, those sorts of things. Right. Um, yeah, everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. All the things that I'm interested in too. Um, but, uh, but here we have God literally commanding the Israelites um, draw something that doesn't exist, you know, yeah. like <laughs> make up something. <laughs> um, so I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, and actually, like, there is, um, like, historically speaking, a lot of biblical scholars, um, instead of, like, Eve and the Adam at the the tree, the fruit mm -hmm. of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm -hmm. it's actually, uh, there's a there's a lot of speculation that instead of an apple, it's actually a pomegranate. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I thought, I thought, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. What is up? What's up with these pomegranates? <laughs> Wait a second. It was a blue pomegranate. <laughs> that was what they ate. <laughs> and then God yeah, was like, nope, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> anyway. Yep. I will say like, um, in, we, we talked about like C.S. Lewis and, yeah. uh, early a little bit. Um, and, um, he talks in, um, in mere Christianity, he talks about how, um, he uses actually like a lot of fairy tale elements and uh when he explains things to people about how christianity works mm -hmm. and he talks about how like um like creating the toy soldiers that come to life i don't know if you guys have read mere christianity but it's usually like on the i haven't i own it but i haven't gotten to it yet yeah. okay it is like did you ever read it Connor? i know you own it that's the book that made me fall in love with C.S. Lewis. Mm. I read it actually when I was 16. So, and I, um, I love, I love C.S. Lewis. Uh, I have a lot of fantasy writer friends that are like, well, you're fantasy writer. So you like Tolkien better. And I'm like, no, I like C.S. Lewis better. And they're like, oh, are you insane? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but that's unrelated. <laughs> yeah, but that's not related. <laughs> I, I read half of uh, Mere Christianity. Okay. Yeah. okay. So this is actually, I think it's actually towards the front part where he talks about how like God is like not creating toy soldiers like these automatons or um 
like these robotic sort of beings. They're, we're, we're beings with free will and the, the capacity to um, reproduce and create and reason and imagine new things. And we're not robots that follow, <laughs> that necessarily follow <laughs> all his commands. Um, and this is kind of like the, in, in the art in the Bible, you know, Francis Schaeffer hits home again and again and again that, you know, the way that a Christian lives should be a work of art in itself. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. kind of like the, the ugly buildings and the... <laughs> ugly the, people. Um, yeah. <laughs> so get that plastic surgery, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Use the promo code Creative Christian. What are you doing? <laughs> you can get fifty dollars off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, he's yeah. He's talking about like how your life should be a work of art, and that means mm -hmm. having fun. And um, I, I think of it kind of like another book I, I love is Blue Like Jazz about Donald Miller. He starts talking off about start, he starts the book off talking about how he um he started liking jazz music after he saw someone playing it with their eyes closed mm. and uh, sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself yeah and yeah so all these books just <laughs> and and having kind of like this work of art means that you can't just have the uh you know i i think of almost like a workout whereas you can't just have the 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 meat you know you need the bread you need the the fun stuff, the sweet stuff, you know, um, in, in a lot of the, the feasts, like in the feast of the tabernacle and the feast of Passover, God uses food as reminders to the Israelites yeah. and the Hebrews about different things. Um, you know, he uses the herbs in, um, in, uh, Passover. I want to say, I want to say it's Passover. <laughs> um, and he talks about how the bitterness of the herbs is to remind the the Hebrews about their their past and mm -hmm. and then when you're teaching you know the the great Shema they tell people to um, you know put the honey on the child's lips as they're, you're teaching them so they remember the sweetness of the word of God and um, the laws that will keep them alive and uh, you know it's just really so you have the bitter and the sweet and the you have so many um, you know the, the the binaries and the reaction the the opposites the contradictions mm -hmm. these are all kind of like richly woven in together into your life and i don't think so i even kind of see this in my my family you know my my husband works in healthcare so he i tell people all the time you know my husband will save your life but i will make it better <laughs> so i um you know, that's really the, cute yeah he's the cake and i'm the icing on the cake <laughs> and it just works when we're together um you know as opposed to i i'm pretty sure i you know people get sick after a while just talking about like just being force-fed all this icing mm. <laughs> people would get bored <laughs> just eating the cake you know? <laughs> yep so those sure. those are all things that i really liked about <laughs> in the Bible. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. About. Yeah, I actually think the last line of the book is, is is that particular remark where the Christian life is supposed to be an entire work of art um, dedicated to him. And mm -hmm. again, another book, you know, the Christian hedonist about 
God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied yeah. in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people know John Piper, I think. Yeah, I, I just read his book, Don't Waste Your Life. So that phrase is ingrained in my ma- in my brain. <laughs> oh, you don't have it tattooed on your back yet? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, right. Another for that. <laughs> right before I uh, read the art in the Bible, um, when I don't, when I don't desire God was the book I just finished reading right before the, this was by John oh, Piper. So. Is that Piper too? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's on my TBR pile. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really good. I liked that one a lot. Piper's pretty good about stuff. I, I you know, I, I read a few of his books um, before he's consistent in his, his approach to things. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Connor, what are your thoughts on the stuff we've discussed thus far? All right, so that's my big notes there for that. Yeah. Um, Cupcakes. (laughs) My only thought so far was just the connection um, to parables Mm -hmm. that you guys were talking about a long time ago, but like, yeah, didn't find the opening since I was chewing. But um, (laughs) yeah, go ahead. uh, well, no, I mean that was basically just about it. Just, just the um, the idea of um, you get more out of a, a book than you do right. a sermon sometimes, and yeah. and that's because you can relate to it on on such a level, and, and that's what Jesus did with parables, yeah. um, and and also Jesus did that with parables so that uh, the non-elect would not understand according to Matthew 13, but, 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 that, but, but that, that's the, the more negative side of that yeah. understanding of parables and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. That's, we actually talked about that on the fourth episode of the Christian artist wow. way long oh, ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just linked, yeah. I linked it in, wow. in Twitch chat. Um, yeah. Zero zero four yeah. Jesus Christ storyteller. Yeah. That episode. That's a good one. Back when I actually had liner notes. <laughs> oh boy. I actually, I, well, like that when when you talk about like apologetics, like the like uh, like more or less the defense of Christianity and why you believe what you believe, and um, you know, like I I have a lot of I, I grew up in a missionary church, so I know that there are places that are experiencing a lot of persecution. Um, I have a couple friends right now who were serving in China. This <laughs> mm. is uh, not good stuff over there. Yeah. And- <laughs> Sorry if that like causes the YouTube sensor. <laughs> Sorry, you can edit that out. I mean, you didn't say the actual name of it yet, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, they. Um, yeah, I know. I know that. Um, okay. Yep. Sorry, is the mommy brain flush? What was I saying? China, people who you knew. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So apologetics. Yeah, yeah apologetics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing before that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, edit to here. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, they bring up like the four like main reasons for God, like the moral law, which is C.S. Lewis's kind of um, entrance into it. The 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 teleological, like everything that's designed um, a particular way has a particular function, and if it's been designed, you know. Uh, obviously there's a designer because of the cause and the effect and the the um the, the um kind of like the the cat clam i can't say that word <laughs> type of thing with the big bang kind of goes into that and um and uh the uh um 
gosh, mommy braining in. But yeah, anyway, there's like four main reasons. <laughs> and the I argue all the time that there's a fifth one. It's like God is like a big storyteller because like I, being a writer, I think is really fun for me because I get to see um, my characters that I think of, like a lot of them have their own like minds and they sometimes they change in unexpected ways and they um you know they don't really like speak to me speak to me but they'll be like you know this doesn't seem like something i would do (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah carly smack dab in the middle of that right now oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh yeah and uh, i mean you you know because you're a writer too you know sometimes it's like this this isn't turning out how i plan <laughs> yeah carly is now triggered <laughs> it's fine <laughs> yeah well people don't come with trigger warnings <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh if i if they did man i'd sue my hospital <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, uh, this kid's not behaving the way I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Where's Why didn't child? this baby come with the trigger warning? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think, like, so, like, and you definitely see things, like, in, in reality that match match to to why stories work you know like a conflict Mm -hmm. like why is conflict like why do you need conflict to have a story (laughs) i (laughs) you know um and and why do people relate over conflict you know it's because we all kind of experience conflict in one form or another and why is setting important you know time and space are important to us as humans right yeah Yeah. i mean like why (laughs) you know i mean i know we all experience it but like (laughs) uh so Mm -hmm. it's it's nice to kind of see like how it's it's like a secret sort of um like wormhole i guess in the mind of god that you go up when you're a writer and you can kind of see how everything's kind of working towards resolution and yeah um, a different, like a, a newer level of meaning with with the the things that um, you know you, that affect you and that you experience and that you react to. So. Oh, that's so funny! We just got a um, often often Zan or I don't I don't know how to pr- oh, it's Z H A N I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that exactly. Um, he quoted us on Twitter and said, "My husband will oh. save your life. I will make your life better." Top quote of the episode. <laughs> oh well true (laughs) I make the joke all the time you know like my husband goes to work to save people and I stay home and kill imaginary people so (laughs) nice nice but yeah (laughs) it is remarkable once you are immersing yourself in uh, narrative and writing like how much you start to think of all of life in yeah. the terms of narrative and writing and story, um, like pretty much all of the time, I am just constantly thinking about all of the different little moments of my life and thinking, I'm like, ah, oh, that was probably foreshadowing for something. And like, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> literally, Connor's shaking. Motifs everywhere. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that's just. I mean, no, I think I think that way sometimes too. I, I remember just just recently a, a memory came up in my Facebook um, of me saying, you know what, the cross is the most foreshadow event in the history of the universe, uh-huh. <laughs> and like there's so much foreshadowing in the Old Testament, and I was mm-hmm. just like, huh, but uh, but 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 the fact that you think about it in your real life moments like from moment to moment wait a second i this was foreshadowed like it's just like because uh, it is no i'm serious god knows what he's doing like my life is actually has foreshadowing there's stuff that's happening that makes sense well yeah oh i can actually i agree with this too um so like the first the first boy that like i ever had a crush on had blonde hair and blue eyes and like I had like three three boyfriends before I married my husband, and wow. all, all I had one of them had blonde hair and blue eyes, and two of them wore glasses. And <laughs> kind of actually, that's what my husband did. Apparently, you have a type. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was kind of like a god ordained one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, kind of what he was doing. Yeah, so it's it's um and um like another thing that um like I you know, like, since I have a lot of books, and I write a lot of things, you know, you see a lot of repeated patterns <laughs> in my writing about one thing or another. And, you, um, but like, specifically, like, um, like, there's just certain things that point me back to what I'm trying to say, or, or what I'm thinking about what the story is, what the thesis of the story is. It's really, it's really cool. <laughs> like, they like, <laughs> like up in heaven, I'm pretty sure that God has like, you know, like those movie dictionaries that they have, <laughs> like different movies, like behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, all my work is like on God's bookshelf. And like next, <laughs> here's the behind the scenes thing. Or here's the times when you got distracted because I didn't want you to end up with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure there's this whole meta commentary that God has for the things that I see. That's that's the sort of stuff that I love speculating about. That's the sort of stuff that I get really excited about thinking about um, the eternal state. Like, what will art be like in the eternal state? Right? Like, just talking about that the other day. Yeah. Like, not only just like. you know, how will we create art and like, what will it be, how will it be different, right? Without sin, but also like stuff like that, right? Where it's like, does, will, will God just like have new books that will just be like, d- d- would Jesus write b- well, think, books? Think- right? Like if Jesus has a body and he's, you know, like what, what will he do? Will he actually, will he do other human things during the eternal state this is literally just a thing i thought i had right now (laughs) (laughs) like when i was younger i actually like i didn't know that the bible was like kind of closed canon i was like one day i'm gonna write a book of the bible (laughs) wow maybe i'll get to do that in heaven (laughs) so god's certain that i won't mess it up you know man high high ambitions right away <laughs> right away that's so funny oh well <laughs> ever get me on an anti-feminism rant <laughs> oh please we, okay that's oh, the yes. next episode we're having us. with with yeah. you uh, we'll talk about feminism 
Um, what what are some other things, CJ, that you really like from that book? Um, that like, um, you that that like have jumped out to you in in the times that you've read it. Um, that is just a topic that you like talking about more in depth. Okay. Any particular? Um, well, the second thing I have on my list of things to bring up. <laughs> okay. All right. An hour later, get to number two. <laughs> is worldview. Mm-hmm. So. Um, this is actually this is actually yeah. very important to um, to apologetics in general, and um, it's also like it's very closely related to world building with with writing. So yeah. something to think about. <laughs> true, very true. Yeah, and 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 this is where you have issues with um, like um, like when I when I think of why does this matter? Like I actually. Like, I don't find a lot of, like, I loved Star Wars as a kid, so I hate what has become of it. (laughs) (laughs) And when people um, ask me why worldview and world building are important, I was like, retconning is like the perfect example of this. You know, like the, the thing about the Bible and the biblical worldview is that it doesn't contradict itself in and when people talk about contradictions in the Bible and stuff, there are at like 99.5% of them. There's like a really high, strong, trustworthy statistic on it are easily reconcilable or there's like a, it's, it's not a contradiction so much as a paradox. When you see um, like uh, the idea of, of God dying, for example, Jesus made it happen because he's also he's god but he's also human he's the ultimate paradox (laughs) um and with um with worldview like with the um the kind of like uh the competing worldviews the pantheist the pantheistic the atheistic and um and then kind of like the the nonsensical um kind of narcissistic (laughs) sort of yeah, self, self, um, self-indulgency is kind of what it comes down to. Oh, you believe what you want to believe? That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> the I don't so, care at all. <laughs> yeah, when you when you talk about, um, you have to have a worldview, and um, that's kind of like so. You have the foreground. You have the the what you believe, why you believe it, and the the not just the the emotional connection that works the intellectual connection that works the um like the the foundation itself where you can build up and you can build up in a um in a like a solid reliable way uh you know where where it can withstand the 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 earthquakes and the tsunamis of your life okay uh the worldview is kind of um, like the second platform out of that. You know, it's like a pyramid. If you're working up like something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, okay, this is foundational beliefs. Why you believe what you believe, and how far you're willing to more or less pay to to be um, to, to be subservient to those beliefs. So, I mean, I I I love my atheist friend, and we've kind of agreed that you shouldn't. Um, just because you don't believe in God doesn't mean that you should be an a-hole, okay? <laughs> Yay, good for you. But there's actually no reason that you can't be if you don't believe in God. Yeah, and that's something that they're not willing <laughs> to confess to. Yeah. You can be an a-hole and be a Christian at the same time. <laughs> but it goes against your 
your um your beliefs mm-hmm. it's kind of like retconning things where you're you become this this um maybe you're overly judgmental or um you know that's usually the one that <laughs> gets applied <laughs> or um you know hypocritical again for the, for the atheistic worldview um that's not a problem if you want to be an a-hole you can be an a-hole those are his words by the way <laughs> and um and so so the you have the the foundation you have the worldview and on top of that worldview you will create more um mm-hmm. from that point whether it's by living your life and and doing your job like like my husband does you know mm-hmm. uh, or it's um you come and you make your own job which is more or less what i do and um kind of like reaching out from that platform i think that's uh, the thing that he kind of hits home is that everything that you should do should come out of this worldview. And even if your art doesn't mimic that worldview or that world building structure, you can still have a solid enough foundation that people will dig deeper and, uh, and see kind of the beauty that's connected to the, the wholesome and, and the radiant truth that can only come from God. So yay yeah. for worldview <laughs> yeah and and i really did appreciate um all of his thoughts and comments on on worldview throughout that book um because he kept talking about specifically when he was talking about um art and um what a nonsense ambiguous statement to make about this book what that time he was talking about art um, <laughs> when he was, yeah that whole 80 that, page that whole 80 page range right <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what I mean is when he was talking about art in relation to um, uh, the, the the very the, basically the the different ways in which we evaluate art, um, right? So uh, we, the the judgmental principles of criteria thing, yeah, like where he was talking about like we we evaluate art according to its technical excellence, according to its you know whatever whatever. But one of the things the was. Yeah. Yeah, validity, and then the 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 appropriate the vehicle to the message, and where's my other one in here? <laughs> there's like three or four. There's like four of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the the one and I don't remember how he phrased it, but one of them was basically the worldview of the author, uh, right? The the worldview mm-hmm. of the creator, um, and how how yeah. it is portrayed what what message it sends that sort of thing right like what is the the content uh, of it um yeah mm-hmm. like I, I think a good example of this is um that you can kind of see is if by uh, if uh, i watch a lot of movies so <laughs> you can see this in um zach snyder's the watchman the what was it 2005 movie um i think it's on amazon prime if you have prime but um alan moore who wrote the comic is is actually an atheist and he's a very um politically liberal one and a lot of people have uh noticed that the film actually is very conservative so you kind of uh i mean not in, ter- in terms of principles not in mm-hmm. terms of because you're talking about good and evil and you're not talking about the execution of mm-hmm. that um you know with like all the the murder and the graphic stuff <laughs> But I mean, like in terms of storytelling mm-hmm. principles, it's actually, oh, these are very solid storytelling points. Um, so it it ended up being a really good, well put together story, even if it was uh, deserving of the R rating. <laughs> so, 
So I'm yeah. sure you guys could probably think of uh, other like movies and, um, you know, like even like Avatar we mentioned earlier, um, or Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> These are well put together pieces of art, mm -hmm. storytelling, um, TV shows and movies that don't necessarily come from what would be a Christian worldview. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, and it, that was a really interesting thing to, to kind of evaluate when he was talking about the different ways that we evaluate and, and kind of review art and, and just how you take those four pieces and all four of those together is what kind of you, how you come to the conclusion of whether or not you like art or whether or not it's good art. Um, and it was cool. It, it was good, I think, for Christian. It, it is good for Christians to read that and understand that separation that can that is mm -hmm. and should happen um, between uh, art's technical excellence and the worldview of the author. Um, right, like we can enjoy something for it being a good story or a good painting or a good song or whatever um while disagreeing with its content disagreeing with its um execution, execution yeah whatever that is what disagreeing with its worldview um and uh be able to engage with it meaningfully instead of just canceling it and avoiding it outright because oh this person's an atheist we shouldn't have anything to do with this art whatever it is um yeah 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 i agree with I that um that. Yeah, I I like that, um, and I think it's honestly like it's it's helpful sometimes for Christians. Um, like I was saying earlier, like I'll, I'll read books if people ask me to to tell them what I think about it. Yeah, uh, you know, like <laughs> um, a very popular one is like the Time Traveler's Wife. I can explain why it's a very it's kind of an odd out there book in terms of like like traditional like what makes a story good mm -hmm. or what makes you know, but um, I think the formatting, I think it's the, the weirdest thing about it. <laughs> but I, I mean, in terms of like, it goes from her spec, his and the, the jumping back and forth in time and everything. Yeah. But I can explain, you know, why it's a good love story and what kind of universal truths you can kind of pull out from it. And whether, and, and in particular, usually it's somebody that asks me about it, that they, they struggle with a particular sin or something. Um, you know, like, that's why, like, I probably wouldn't pick up a Playboy magazine if you asked me to. Right. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is very obviously not going to have anything for you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, um, like people who do like romance stories and people who do like, um, like, um, maybe like the action and adventure movies, like, a, like, even for kids, you know, like, um, when the first Avengers movie came out, my, my one nephew was like six and he's very excited for it. And then I went to see it and I'm like, I don't know if you should go see this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, just, and you know, you give a litany of reasons and <laughs> eventually, you know, they agree or disagree. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Carlos, did you have any other thoughts on on any of these um, one of the main things um i was listening to the audiobook at work and so i definitely didn't absorb like every sentence of the book but um it's hard to absorb every sentence yeah right <laughs> um but but one of the things that jumped out to me that he said was um you know specifically on um placing value on arts 
on the arts here on earth was that, you know, if, if we're going to be using these things to praise God in heaven, then we should be using them to praise him now yeah. here. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, we've talked a lot about on the podcast just in general, because I mean, that's a lot of what we're about. Mm-hmm. of just, you know, if, if the new creation is likely going to look like, you know, physical people and physical bodies doing physical things you know that that includes like um you know just things like like plumbing like we talked about in the the regular jobs episode um you know regular everyday things that are done to the glory of god um then you know there's going to be artists and (laughs) um and if we're going to be doing art to the glory of God, then, then we should be doing it now. Um, and so it's, it's not a, it's not a waste basically to invest time and energy in arts here and now, because, you know, we can use them to glorify God. It's not just, um, it's not just like, oh, there's no practical use to it. So like, we shouldn't actually do anything. It's like, no, um, I mean, it, (laughs) like, if you, you know, this, I feel like the stereotypical image of eternity is just every, every believer in a giant choir, just singing for the rest of eternity. Even if they've never sung a note before in their entire lives. And it's like, well, if that was true, then we should just spend all of our time on earth practicing singing. Right. But like, we don't. (laughs) Um, And, and that's because, you know, lots of things are going to be um, lots of different skills and talents are going to be put to use. And that's, but yeah, I feel like the, the conception, the I feel like the conception of that sort of like weird, like uh, reductionist heaven comes from the weird reductionist view of art that a lot of people right. ended up having just kind of around this kind of weird, like, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but like, uh, this American evangelical culture, f- kind of like fundamentalist, but like real, yeah. c- all, all the people who are like only pietistic, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. the pietistic kind of like sphere of, of Christianity where it's like, where the world is going to crap, where any sort of art or science or whatever it is, anything beyond the church sphere is just polishing brash on a sinking ship, sinking ship. doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, Like the purest, like Benedict movement type thing. Um, Where you basically hop family out into the desert and don't rely on anybody for anything. Yeah. Yeah. But basically it's it's this idea that like, if only, if only the sphere of the church matters, then of course that's what heaven would be like because only the sphere of the church matters, right? right. What do we do in, in church? That's the only thing we're going to do in heaven. That that makes sense to me. If that is your worldview, that's what you, you would end up viewing heaven as because if heaven includes anything more than the church, wh- well, why wouldn't we you know, do any of these other things? But it's because of those weird reductionist views, they, they match each other and they, they complement each other. But it, even if you know uh, us as Christians understand art is good, science is good, whatever is good, like culture is good, um, the physical world is good, sometimes we still can't shake that loose that that uh, pietistic view of heaven that's reductionist and, and doesn't give us much glorious hope for the future of glorifying God in a way that is, like, 
best for us because God is a good God and he doesn't give people gifts and then expect them to not be used. Um, <laughs> right. Like he, uh, you know, if, if someone didn't know how to sing, like what kind of a hope it, is it for them that, all right, God is going to force you to sing to him for all eternity. Right. Like that doesn't sound like the God that we serve. Um, you know, and, and God would have every right to do that. But because of the way we have, have seen him reveal himself in his word, we know that is not the sort of God that he is. So I think part of it is a push for like simplistic answers. Yeah. There is a, there, there are a lot of Christians that, you know, I've seen that can't honestly say, I don't know when they don't know yeah. certain things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the simple kind of, um, that's usually when I see what I call like the Sunday school answers. <laughs> And um, I will say some things are just complicated to explain to different people. And you do sound a little bit crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, one of my, probably my most like weird series is, um, is is my Till Human Voices Wake Up series. And and it talks in in the two books. The first book is called Across the Floors of Silences. And it's from a T.S. Eliot poem, if you're wondering. I love T.S. Eliot. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah uh t.s Eliot and c.s lewis are actually my favorite like they they were contemporaries and they like hated each other <laughs> so when i think of christians today i'm like am i on the t.s Eliot side or the c.s lewis side and it'll of this conversation yeah. <laughs> but um in the in the book like the, the tagline for it is do mermaids believe in humans and if you're thinking <laughs> the problem of can people today like even I mean, you do kind of see this kind of hearkening return of the the intellectual elites to belief and the church life, even if they don't say they personally believe in Christianity, they, they recognize that it has um, a power and influence over culture for the good of the people. Um, maybe not for the good of the government, <laughs> but for the good of the people um, to, to, to have those values of, of family and faith and the things that tie people together. Um, and this kind of um, like almost structural integrity for your identity. So, so like I said, you can withstand storms of your life much more easily. And um, like, so you, so like this idea that um this idea is is that can can we believe from like an almost like an inside out perspective? Do mermaids believe in humans? <laughs> can we believe in the angels and and God and the things that? And it's funny because in the second book you see it from the opposite side. You have this kind of atheistic, self obsessed college student listening to his uncle who is scattered by the mermaids <laughs> and. Um, thinking that he's insane until he experiences it for himself. And it's, it's a different um, response to, to, to the telling versus the experiencing and the showing and the, and it's, it's, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> I it happens to the best. My, <laughs> yes. So it's, it's all about how like belief is, can be difficult and, um, seeing other people's beliefs play out or is difficult and mm-hmm. yeah and I lost the train of thought so it's just it's, yeah <laughs> Connor do you have any other thoughts on uh, these questions and thoughts 
No. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're a man of simple words, yeah. and I like it. <laughs> I, just Thank wanna, you. I just want to make sure everybody's getting a chance to to say things, and and if they have thoughts, yeah. uh, got it. Yeah, I can't I can talk about this a lot and stuff. So no, 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 that wasn't a dig at you. I'm just making sure to pass the baton and just play a moderator. Yeah, well, I warned I warned Caleb and everybody before I came in that I can ramble a lot, and then I get off. Fine. Like it's the mommy brain drains, like something just flushes mm-hmm. and it's just, oh, oh, no. so. Yeah, what's another thing you had on, on your list there of, of things? Okay, so we did talk about this actually a little bit about how um, the judgmental principles. And I actually kind of, I made like a, a Gregor Mendelian sort of square oh, for my. it. Yeah. So you can see here. Mm-hmm. So like you're a Christian um, with a Christian, so you're a Christian and you're writing something that's a Christian worldview. So it's like AA and then you have AB right. <laughs> and then, um, and then you have B and then BB <laughs> and, uh, there's the secret subliminal messaging of BB eight, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we can like, so like, like on a cultural level, we can all kind of agree on certain things and like the universals versus the personals and, um, and kind of work our way around those particular tenets. Um, and I will say like, um, you know, the importance of the worldview, I think is the, the more important thing. You do see a lot of work that's written from a less, um, like, like not really a Christian is writing it, but they actually have a very Christian worldview when they come down to it. I think of Honestly, I think of Harry Potter when I think of this. <laughs> uh, and it ended up being actually very, very Christian in its ideals uh, and its, its troops that it used. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can't speak for Rowling. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you're, you're referring to the part in the book where he talks about like basically the four types of art- artists, where it's like mm-hmm. a Christian who writes, who makes an art, something, some sort of form of art from a Christian worldview. Uh, a non-Christian who makes a, something from a non-Christian worldview, a non-Christian who makes something from a Christian worldview, and a Christian who makes something from a non-Christian worldview. Just so everybody right. who's listening also knows what's, what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, like, as a parent, I think those are the things that, um, like, I find most difficult. <laughs> <laughs> because I, uh, I mean, like, I'm, I monitor my kids' you know, media intake pretty well, but you know, kids and technology and all that, they can bypass my codes and stuff they really wanted to. And, um, it's difficult to, to, because I, 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 you know, my, my parents didn't give me any limits to, to my, to my reading and I, I turned out okay, but <laughs> I also grew up in the nineties <laughs> and, um, you know, 9-11 was my coming of age moment. I was 13 years old. And it was like, like, <laughs> it was a great metaphor for puberty, but I didn't need it, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, what a and, quote. Yeah, sorry. That's probably my, that'll be my biggest book compliment. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just very, it was a very strange time mm-hmm. to live. <laughs> and uh i know you guys didn't (laughs) 
So uh, you're babies. You know? I was two days old. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. I was six. So yeah. there's that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I remember I, I just, it. But I, I, I hate it because my, I was in my, um, I was in my sciences class and my teacher had the tv on and i we were watching live when mm -hmm. the second plane hit the tower and uh yeah it took me a lot <laughs> a long time to realize oh my gosh like like 400 people just died i was like watching <laughs> and i mean in movies it's one thing <laughs> you know but um like yeah that was um yeah that was, yeah i live in a different time than my kids do <laughs> So, and uh, it's funny though, cause I actually like watching a lot of nineties stuff with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, I bought the Jackie Chan adventures, which is not obviously a Christian worldview. That, um, that was a good show. Yeah. That was a that's good a good show. show though. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, I haven't, you know, I loved watching it when I was a kid and my kids are, you know, they take karate right now and they just like kind of seeing how it oh, this is how you're supposed to stop the bad guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's kind of funny because even my son, will, um, he'll mimic some of the characters. He'll be like, ah, and duh. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I know which show we have to stop watching for a while, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like when I was a kid, you know, like I had Pokemon. I still wear my fingerless gloves here and gotta write them all right now you know so, but it's, it's uh, i mean you have you 30 what 32 novels you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh you know <laughs> and that, that, you said that that was 32 published novels right oh this yeah there's some more that i i don't talk about right right uh, i was gonna say yeah. i'm just saying like more than you've written th more than 32 books so yeah it's impressive yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah but i mean like i like yeah so I, like the the media today that my kids absorb is a big issue and and the, the things i write are a big issue to me because they're more personal than yeah. anything else so you just got to be careful. And it's very hard. It's good to have these principles because I can say, okay, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, this is fake <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, I'm lucky enough that my kids are like, Spider-Man not real. Right. Mommy. And <laughs> Unfortunately. <they> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, there are some things where it is kind of strange how they don't know that they're fake. <laughs> my son recently lost his his two front teeth and he wanted the tooth fairy to come in to explain the tooth fairy's on quarantine honey <laughs> <laughs> i go cashless pretty much everywhere so it's like yeah she's on quarantine honey <laughs> maybe it's in the bank <laughs> that is one way that is one way to do it yeah well i was the one who ruined my nephews in santa claus so <laughs> Like, oh, you're seven. You know he's not real, right? <laughs> yeah, I I was the kid who went around telling all of the other kids that Santa was dead, <laughs> because my parents told me about the real Saint Nicholas, and he was he lived a long time ago, so he was obviously dead. And so I just went around <laughs> telling out <him> Saint <laughs> Santa Claus is dead. <laughs> 
My aunt was well, horrified at that. Well, it's funny because I actually have a Santa story that I in the in the the backlist, and it's like uh, like to write. Yeah, and it's that, <laughs> awesome. I mean I know like it's based off of like Saint Nick. And, yeah. Take it's like no no <laughs> no he's actually like a demon and he's supposed to alternate <laughs> 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 yep. you know what i i definitely would believe in an alternate reality where santa claus is actually a demon who's trying to get kids hooked on the the evil spirit of materialism um, oh, yeah. I'm into this. I'm into this <laughs> urban fantasy. Yeah. A supernatural yeah. detective has to take him down. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, see, like, I love stuff like that because, uh, I mean, it's like uh, fairy tales are like the most, the most true stories, even if they're not real, that you can have. <laughs> I was teaching college level classes and my, my students were always like amused when I you know every you know but it's true like most fairy tales are teaching you basic applicable yeah. things i mean you mentioned earlier caleb about but the parables and i think connor mentioned, connor mentioned the, that, the yeah. parables. Mm -hmm. they're they're meant to teach you things real things using real things right <laughs> in, like like but they're not always literally true yeah and i, I think that's that's something like like as as a like a more of a fantasy writer that's what i love is that i'm teaching you true things in a mm -hmm. like a like a fake sort of way yeah yeah that's actually one of the things that's always fascinating to me about reading the bible um and and specifically the stuff that is parable or proverb or allegory or poetry or whatever it is because obviously something something theologically and spiritually true is trying to be communicated there but one of the most fascinating things about those sorts of passages are are this and he francis shaver actually talked about this in the book um right like they are only good at communicating those things if what they are portraying is in some reality true right in some in some foundational sense like specifically he was talking about song of solomon Right. Like right. people argue, right. That's just, it's an allegory for Christ in the church or God and his people or whatever it is. But it's like, that would not work as an allegory if it couldn't also be true on a, in a literal sense that mm -hmm. a man and a woman, you know, this is a man and a woman in love with each other. And this is how it's supposed to work. Right. If, if that was not literally and physically true, then the allegory, the deeper, whatever would, would not be true either. Um, and so those sorts of things are really important, right? When we're talking about fiction or, or whatever, right? Like allegory, um, those sorts of um, those sorts of things, because yeah. the the foundation for the story we're telling, the foundation for the art that we're telling, has to be foundationally true. Has to be in some some way um, real, or else the people who read the story or whatever it is won't buy it. They 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 won't mm -hmm. understand it. They won't believe it. Um, but you know, when you write a story about, um, people ascending to Godhood, but you, uh, you, you frame the story in such a way that it's actually a story about uh, a man trying to give hope to hopeless people, then people understand it and they get it and they believe it. 
they believe the fact that these people are actually, you know, people who got ascended to godhood, even though that's totally ridiculous, right? Because you framed it with something that's real and true. And I just described the plot of Elantris um, by Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's definitely Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> he, t- he, like, he talks about people ascending to godhood all the time. Yeah. Well, that's he's that's a Mormon. A yeah, <laughs> it's a very universal sort of thing, and that's why you mm-hmm. have like Nietzsche and um, mm-hmm. and and Freud, and uh, you you have all these kind of these um, and you know Karl Marx, you know, and and you have all these kind of like almost Black Mirror sort of people that take the gospel. Yeah, <laughs> and literally. <laughs> yeah, you, you just brought up Karl Marx. That's actually one of the, the most fascinating yeah. things to me. If you look at the Communist Manifesto, if you look at Karl Marx's views on the like utopian society and mm-hmm. like all of this stuff, it's so Jesus, right? It's so gospel. <laughs> it's so Bible. It's so the narrative of God, but he stole it and he made it into his right. own thing, right? Like that is literally um, like – he, he basically took post-millennial eschatology and he <laughs> stole it and he made his own utopian whatever it. out of it, right? Like, yeah. he's like, actually, the utopia is not a renewed earth. It's actually all the workers, you know, they get paid, you know, they, they all share the... Share the, share the well, hey, you know. You know? <laughs> capitalism dies, right? Sa- capitalism is the is Satan who gets bound for a thousand years in this, uh, in this analogy. <laughs> Um, but but it only works because it is actually literally true spiritually, right? Like in, in God's created order. And the only reason it worked so well to brainwash an entire generation of people was because it was in some sense foundationally true. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that entirely. I, I, I think the, you know, again, the intellectual like indecency or degeneracy uh, of of just this generation is awful. <laughs> and I mean, like, I feel stupid compared to like the people I listen to and the people that I, I read. And, 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 and then I think, Oh my gosh, <laughs> how do people not like me think? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I mean, that's, that's, yeah. My tragic flaw of course is pride. <laughs> so, but it, it's, um, it, it is, it is really sad. Um, what's, what some things have come down to and and uh yeah the the things that just sound so nice and we want to believe them but they're not true you know it's not true so i mean like when i when i think of this and i think of fairy tales i think of um the, you guys uh so i watch a lot of disney movies because kids um like the and actually my my best friend wrote a book about disney fairy tales um and it's uh, she talks about um in in her book about merida about how merida's story is not actually a good story because at like the purpose of like fairy tales with the princesses and going on the princess's journey is to get the princess to a point where she is her own like her identity has moved on from childhood and her family to the point where she's in a position to kind of enter into her own era of her own life. You know, usually that means getting married and moving away. Uh, you know, uh, and it, uh, obviously, like, like a lot of feminists hate that, 
So, so Merida, in the end, spoiler, <laughs> like instead of going off and getting married, she stays at home, and it's it's um it's what I call like a negative arc in in the um in in the fairy tale where she hasn't grown, she hasn't learned anything except oh maybe I should get along with my mom, <laughs> and it's not yeah. that's not something that will propel you into womanhood you know the way that um you know like like my favorite disney movie is probably cinderella you know where you have to be able to stand up for yourself and you know loyalty and kindness and being um being able to withstand somebody's you know hatred and attempts to destroy your life i mean those are things that go deeper than maybe I should get along with my mom. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I really kind of, I, I honestly don't like a lot of the ways that Disney uses the quest for the mother kind of archetype. I use it in my own writing because I love my mom and I worry that my children will like hate me when I grow up. <laughs> so, but it's like, uh, you know, like part of the journey for the mother journey to find the mother is to find yourself and the mother inside yourself and so you can like become a, your own person and like you know like I was thinking of the line from the office where Angela's like some of us have to be our own grandmothers <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> oh no so the office and Futurama are my favorite tv shows so I'll probably I can probably quote a lot of those mm -hmm. those lines <laughs> Yeah, I'm currently right now my um, my whenever I like need some time to just like veg and watch a show, I watch Psych right now. I'm watching all the way through Psych uh, for the first time ever. Like I've watched a bunch of episodes of it because Connor uh, watched through it like a bunch, but I've never actually seen the show beginning to end, and so I'm just watching it through an episode at a time. And oh, such a good show, so funny. Oh, well, my son and his best friend actually kind of look like, like Gus and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just so cute. That's what I think. <laughs> That's adorable. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. So cool. Yeah. So that's good stuff. I'm going to have to rewatch it to remember what I said. <laughs> Carly, you have any other thoughts on? Oh, uh, well, okay. I could bring in a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The nice thing about the art in the Bible, I will say is yeah. that Francis Schaefer is like very well read. Like um, I think even in the foreword, it mentions that like he would list off like this list of names of people that you would just, you were just supposed to know. <laughs> and, and people like wouldn't necessarily read, read those things. I, I mean, I, I, I especially like, I like highlighted a bunch of the stuff. Because I love T.S. Eliot. I actually did um, like one of my pieces of him, and it was just really, um, it was really nice to um, to see that, um, you know, you, I think it's important to know who's who to a certain extent when you're engaging people in, in culture and understand how they fit into the worldview. Like, it's not enough that you should like, um, you should know what you believe and why you believe it and everything else. I think it's important for that to understand how in your worldview, the culture that you live in kind of fits in it too. 
Um, and, and that's where I think a lot more is easier to kind of play with, with elements of narrative and, and, and story and kind of, so it helps that a lot. Yeah. Um, I like, yeah, I like, I have a, I just have a lot of things like, like freedom, you know, Elliot was talking about the freedom of, um, you know, he's the father of modernism. And at the time, what he would do is he would take all these um, well-known art pieces and kind of like smash them together. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like that building actually that's by the, the Space Needle, <laughs> Seattle. Mm. It's the, it's the, is that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um, maybe. The one that looks like a smash guitar from the... Probably. Yeah. So it. <laughs> Like if modernism in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And so what Elliot did is like, instead of kind of reverting to the traditionalist sort of um, like Petrarchian and Shakespearean sort of sonnets and stuff with mm -hmm. his poetry, he embraced the modernist era that he started and he gradually kind of added the, the, the spiritual elements of, of Christianity to it to give it more resolve. I mean, if that was one thing about modernism that people generally didn't like after a while, and they, when I, when I teach it to people today, that's one thing that they just don't like. There's no resolution. <laughs> oh, um, uh, you know, I, at that point, I would bring in like uh, the Godfather. No, is it the no? The Sopranos. There we go. The Sopranos just kind of mm. cut to black. It's a very famous ending. Mm. There's not sufficient resolution to to the to the end of the story. And that's kind of what he brought into it. So with, um, and so he took kind of like that artistic freedom and you have like the mention of the bohemian values of freedom and truth and beauty and love. And you can kind of see this in today in, in, in modern prophecies and, and, and poets and, and, and storytellers and everything like that. So like when I think of freedom writers today, you know, I think of um, Andrew Clavin and um, when I think of truth, I think of Robbie Zacharias one nice thing about worldview that Robbie Zacharias actually talks a lot about is about how truth can be seen and your worldview has to like resonate with it. So that means like you need a good explanation for your origin, your meaning, your morality, and your destiny. So narrative elements right there. <laughs> like, I mean, like, what's the point of, I mean, what is the point of like, if you take something like Finding Nemo, what's the point of of, of, of Marlin going out to get his son if he's worried that he's going to die. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, as a father figure, especially because it's traditionally the mothers that take care of the children, you know, there's no point for him to go after Nemo if he thinks he's gone forever, but he does it. So yes, nice stuff. <laughs> And then there's beauty. We talked about beauty a lot with art, but it's beauty like with like, I think honestly Keats is a really good example of this. He was not a Christian, but he wrote some of the most beautiful poetry mm. <laughs> and, and and then like Ode to a Grationer. And it has that famous line of, of um, all you ever need know is that all truth is beauty and all beauty is truth. And that's not actually true. Mm. <laughs> It sounds nice. It we want it to be nice, true. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have, like, I mean, honestly, with later on, you'd have Dostoevsky, you know, no less than Dostoevsky, say that beauty would be the savior of the church, you know, and especially in the, the pre-Soviet era and the 
of course, the later Soviet era. So, and then of course you have love, and I can't honestly think of a better one for that than Tolkien. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like I really love the whole like he had his wife as like this half elf figure. You know, <laughs> I mean, the yeah. love for his wife and in his work is like you can read it and you can feel it. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things is learning about honestly Tolkien is just a fascinating person to like mm -hmm. read about and 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 watch I, I've watched all of the like behind the scenes features from like Lord of the Rings films and so just hearing them talk about Tolkien and like his life and and like so interesting and and how like fascinated they were with um all this uh his entire life story and how all of those things affected the the work he wrote and stuff it's fascinating so yeah yeah and i think honestly i think like i like lewis better because of personal preference mm -hmm. but i think Tolkien does the art better <laughs> I, <yeah>. you know <laughs> so and i I, w I will say like i i wish more people would um would kind of take up like christian artists would um would stand up and like i know that um the problem I think a lot of people run into is the business end of art mm. with, I like, I don't think anybody would call my stuff Tolkien-esque. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Brandon Sanderson is probably closer to that than me. <laughs> and he's <laughs> not, my stuff, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, my stuff's not really epic or grand. Yeah. Like That's true, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's he's small the, stuff. He's technically still in the genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what I, what, and that's kind of like, um, you see that a lot in like Martin, and like George R. R. Martin yeah. and, and uh, you know all the other guys that have Netflix shows right now, <laughs> uh, Robert Jordan. There we go. Yeah, the wheel so you have these kind of more um, more atheistic sort of world building that's kind of attached to it. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. Yes. So I think that's most of my stuff because. Mm -hmm. I, I could talk. I, like yeah, I said, I'm I could sure we could. Yeah, absolutely. That's all. It's all really, really fascinating stuff. And again, like I really love that book. Um, and I w I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, but like in, almost instantly, I was like, oh, this is a really good book. Um, so I definitely recommend it. I know. I think all of us rec who read it, at least uh, on this podcast right now, um, yep, yep. recommend I it. Like a lot of his books. Mm -hmm. um, when I went to when I went to college, we had to read How Shall We Then Live? And there's actually a video. The video series is on Amazon Prime if you have a Prime account. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, the 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 cinematography of it is clearly dated. Mm -hmm. um, but you know he he he's very like to the point. He make he gets to the point very well yeah. you know like and you feel almost like it's like he's talking to you over coffee mm -hmm. and yeah like it's all very accessible the way that he explains it and, yeah it's very accessible but obviously very thorough and well thought out which yeah. i appreciate yeah. like his his writing style reminded me a lot of kenneth gentry which is another christian author that i really yeah. really really like that's true yeah um just of how thorough he was like it was obvious he did a lot of Thought, had, put a lot of thought into it and did a lot of research and had all of the scripture ready in its proper context to make his argument as thoroughly as possible so mm -hmm. it was really good yeah it builds up very well this book yeah so cool and it's, it's really yeah the I, I mean like um you know the argument for why christians should create and mm -hmm. how we should judge things and then 
why we should do those yeah. things. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like I do, I do think that being a critic is easier than being a, a creator. I think it's important to do both, to be very honest. Um, that's actually, if you go to my Twitter profile, that's the first article that I have pinned up there mm-hmm. uh, about why, why Christians should be critiquers and creators cool. instead of, you know, you can't just like, you, you know, um, I know like culturally speaking, there's, there's a lot that people celebrate when it gets burned down, but we have to be able to save what's strong and yeah. we have to build it back up. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we're not going to do that without culture and we're not going to do that without art and we're not going to do that, um, without people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And that, that's definitely something that we, we talk about a lot on this podcast and uh, I'm sure we will continue to talk about a lot yeah, in the did... future. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a writer too, so you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, how do you think the book will affect your writing from now on? Go back into teacher mode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like, it's hard for me to like evaluate those sorts of things. It will definitely like a lot of the pieces. I, I think what the book did a lot for me, cause I've been thinking and talking about this topic for a long time and obviously we've had this podcast which is that's based the basic idea of the whole podcast is talking about this is exact topic but i think it helped me clear up some of the muddle uh, some of the muddiness of uh, particular corners of the topic that i hadn't considered before and helped me get a more consistent and clear picture of of why this is important um so just helping me be more consistent probably <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Well, like Francis Schaefer, I mean, when you read him, you feel smarter walking away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely made and, uh, me want to read another Francis Schaefer book. That's that's certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every, when you when you read him, it's good to start with the God who was there. That's his. Um, he he, I think honestly, you like a lot of his work because mm-hmm. he touches on things like we talked about, like with spirituality and like history yeah. and and art, of course. And so he has a lot of, um, you know, like uh, my my one professor. Uh, Dr. Donald Williams, he has written a few things and he talks about how philosophy should be the handmaiden to theology and um, how theology was originally supposed to connect everything that people learned in in university. And I mean, even university is like a combination of unity and diversity. And (laughs) and, um, I think a lot, like in taking the theology away or sanitizing it or making it safe, you know, or secular, I think it's damaged us a lot more than we, than we realize. So. Yeah. I kind of liked it. Cause it, like, I think as a Christian, there's, there is a lot of pressure on you to, um, you know, like behave a certain way. <laughs> um, and I, I agree that there, there, there are definitely things that you should not do there. Like, so, when you become a Christian, there's stuff that you don't do anymore, and there's stuff that you do do. <laughs> there's a do do joke for us. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I was wondering if anyone's gonna imagine it. We were all thinking it. <laughs> well, I warned you earlier, I would probably drop a few fart jokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm in my squeaky chair, so. <laughs> um. So there's stuff you do, there's stuff that you don't do. And then everything else is kind of in that relationship sort of gray area with, with, with faith. 
And I mean, every act of art is essentially an act of faith. So, I mean, you're that's stepping a, out. That's a quote. That's yeah, yeah. where's that guy? Get that other one. <laughs> the Bible tells us not to do anything except in faith. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like anything not done from faith is sin. So, your yeah. art better be an act of faith or else it's going to be sin. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's an, it's an act of faith in so much some days because like um, one thing I did do um, this past um, this past week, I started recording my own audiobooks, nice. and that was a big that was a big leap of faith for me because um, I honestly like I'm a mom, you know, like I, it doesn't matter how smart I sound right now or how pretty I feel or how special I, you know, like you guys look at me and stuff and. <laughs> I'm going to go home and um, when I wake up, they're going to like hand me their trash and be like, there's the way for me. (laughs) So it, um, reading the art of the Bible is nice for me because it gives me a lot more um, confidence in in my stories and, Mm. and it kind of speaks to that. What you do is not meaningless. And um, you know, even if people look at you weird or, or they ask you embarrassing questions about your characters that you can't remember (laughs) you know or um you get in a podcast and you make poop jokes you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's so for me it was kind of like i i you know a lot of people would expect i think uh like an art in the bible sort of sounding book to be about um why why you shouldn't do things or something and this is actually very liberalizing (laughs) yeah yeah that's what he talked about a lot in the book is like actually studying this topic should free us from having to be so chained to the idea that Mm -hmm. we can't you know do art and still glorify god you know if we're not putting little crosses on it every time Mm -hmm. um yeah well i mean adaptation is something that i associate in general with more more with evil i mean if you're good you don't need to change if you find the right answer you don't need to keep testing stuff you know so the idea that good and perfect are are not stagnant was you know the first time i read it was is very um is very enlightening to me yeah wow (laughs) That's that's a profound statement right there, because I think yeah, that actually... that is a view of most evangelical Christians is that good is we just stay right here. This is it. Yeah. And you never. But it's it's all about it's about making things better. It's about prog- progressing. It's about change. Yeah. And change isn't always upward either. I mean, yeah. like I think like a lot of times, like like honestly, I'm 31. I have my master's degree. I don't want my doctorate. You know. <laughs> I'm done with education. Yeah. There's only like I've reached the height of my in my educational career. <laughs> and and now um but learning learning how to do audiobooks um was it's a it's a it's not a it's not an upward movement. It's a it's a lateral yeah. one. And I you know, so it's kinda like like moonflower vines is what I think of because I like moonflowers. <laughs> and um or like a tree branch, you know, growing out mm-hmm. so it can get more sun yeah. in a different way. And 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 I think I, I think that is kind of where um in politics you see this too. It's like um with with different policies. It's like, oh well this has always worked. So this will work again. Mm-hmm. But it might not work again because <laughs> this other thing over here is different. Yeah. And and so when 
especially with like the uh, the political divide in America, I, I really hate it because it's it's something that requires nuance, and and the people that talk about it aren't really that nuanced. <laughs> yeah. So I um, I speak. I speak as somebody who who lives in a very conservative area and grew up in a very liberal area. <laughs> so I know both sides very well. And and when I hear people saying goofy things, I just like, well, I live in the South, so I just say, bless your heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when that happens, you know, the conversation is over. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Oh, what a deep cut. <laughs> cool well so so cj where can people find you on on twitter and like look at your books and stuff like tell us all okay that. yeah because it's all about me no i'm kidding <laughs> well for, um, for these for the next 30 seconds it is <laughs> oh um so my website is csjohnson.me because cool. i am <laughs> <laughs> is, is all about you <laughs> <laughs> I have this I have this ongoing joke with some of my friends about how I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I, I people feel more comfortable if you take the lead sometimes. Like as an introvert, I love listening to people more than I love talking to people. So when I'm with my introverted friends, I just talk about myself. Until <laughs> <laughs> so they're willing and ready yeah. to respond. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Yes, that's just that's the line. It's like, yeah, I'm a narcissist. So here's my problem for today. What's your problem for today? <laughs> um, so yes, csjohnson.me, Emmy, and um, you can find me at Twitter at writer cs johnson, and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at writer cs johnson. And um, actually, my my favorite place right now is Kofi. It's co fi.com slash writer cs johnson i've been seeing yeah i've been seeing that website pop around yeah you can give me money for coffee (laughs) perfect (laughs) so if you like my work that's kind of like the internet tip jar sure and um, i reciprocate i give nice things i give out freebies every month and um sneak peeks behind the scenes and stuff and actually i was going to comment earlier um when i talk about the so there's actually a line in my my one book in my Order of the Crystal Dyer series, if the one character asks, what will be more perfect than our first day in heaven? Hmm. You know the answer. <laughs> the second day. The yeah. Day. The fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. People tend to think of perfect as a, as a, as a stagnant goal. It's yeah. not, it's more like a doorway. Yeah. You know. <laughs> cool. At least, yeah. at least for us. Because, you know, we're not God. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an, uh, and that's kind of where I like I like thinking about, like, time and eternity. And yeah. this schizophrenia sort of test that you see up on your feed sometimes. Yeah. It's like, what God looks like. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, that was a fun episode. I Yeah, I definitely love the book. Definitely recommend it. Um, you can find it on Audible. Um, that's where I got it. Um mm-hmm art in the bible by francis schaefer it was really cheap too i think i got it for like yeah three dollars or something like that short um yeah i mean it's yeah it's only an hour and a half uh via audio yeah book. yeah part of the reason i, I bought the audiobook is because it's the best yeah the the reader who does it is also really good too um mm-hmm. it's like a woman with like a, a nice smooth british accent it was yeah uh, it was very pleasant to listen <laughs> to um well, i think 
Well, like I, I know, like Francis Schaefer, if you look at like video to him, he looks kind of like a German like sheep herder guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good description. I saw his Wikipedia uh, picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore Art underscore Show at Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show or at our website at Christian Artist Show dot com. We're going to be releasing another episode of Disagree with Me tomorrow. Uh, Angel is going to talk to uh, his uh, brother-in-law Brennan about the role of government. So that was it. Was a fun episode to record. Uh, I'm excited to release it. And then I think we have normal streams this week. Eternally uh, is in Hellbreaker sequence. And yeah, I think that's it. Thank you very much for being on CJ. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You're a great guest. And, yeah, uh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Episode. I'm very talkative when I get to talk about this. Yeah, no, you have a lot of really, I, really honestly, cool stuff to talk about. Like, no, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. Do you think they care about this? <laughs> <laughs> I need to tell someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's basically it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I have a couple of friends that do the podcast thing, and um, they, they told me I should do my own, and I'm like, I don't have, like... That might be a very long podcast. <laughs> what? Like the thing, and like the thing about me is, like, if you look at all my novels and stuff, they do genre hop quite a bit. And I just say, yeah. When people ask me what I write, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm just the Beyonce of books here. (laughs) I write whatever I want to write. You got the lemonading over here. You got the single ladies over here. (laughs) You got the Foxy Cleopatra person over here. That was before your time. When people think of Beyonce and Queen Bay, I'm just like, yep, Foxy Cleopatra. <laughs> Literally, I know nothing about Beyonce. So all of this, well, all these references. That's funny because you said like everybody says like Austin Powers stuff to you. That's in the Austin Powers movie. <laughs> yeah. I I, yeah. I, I I don't know anything about Austin Powers except for the fact that he, he, he was a character that has, has that has my last <laughs> name and everybody talks about him. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Movies I, are funny. If you like spy movies, I like spy movies. One of these days I'll watch them. I feel like I always just did never wanted to watch them because I was constantly annoyed that people kept calling me Austin Powers. So, or like, are you related to Austin Powers? I was like, no. It's kind of like, not real. like every, well, everybody says that about Monty Python for me, and I was, I was just like, I don't understand why you think this is funny when I watched it. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but I can understand. It, it's i can understand people who don't think it's funny it's a very yeah. particular type of a certain humor. kind of humor yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just happen well, to in, perfectly fit that type of humor yeah well see i have like a like like i like british british writing but i have american humor <laughs> yeah. yeah i tried to have you ever heard of terry pratchett Yes. Yeah, I've tried to read a Terry Pratchett book once, but his humor is very British humor, and I just do not get British humor. I don't get it. It's not funny to me. And I started reading this book, and I'm like, this is, I don't understand anything that's going on right now. So, well, I know it's like very, very dry. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think you have to be in a mood for it, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason, Monty Python's hilarious to me. I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, I will say, like, most people who recommend it to me are men. <laughs> it, it, honestly, so I, it is a very man movie. <laughs> so I think, like, yes, I think I think that might be <laughs> part of the divide there. And um, same with Nacho Libre. Yeah. That's also a guy movie. <laughs> yeah, I 
I feel bad for saying this, but I don't think women are funny the same way men are funny. <laughs> so, you know, like I, it's the difference between Michael Scott and Leslie Nope, you know, like, and, um, and, and yeah, I can't, I, yeah. so yeah, I'd be like watching Leslie. Nope I'd read a dissertation run. about that. I'd do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you can have me on again. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We should talk about feminism next time. Yeah. Oh, I hate feminism. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nope. All right. We're out of here. Adios. Feminism is like Tylenol, okay? Like a little bit is okay, but like at some point it will kill you. <laughs>